Welcome to the Compass Thoughts Podcast from Belmont Assembly of God Church. My name is Pastor Joey Silva. I am joined today with our lead pastor, Pastor Carlos Paniagua. And this podcast, just to give you a a quick understanding, is uh, one of just various topics. We're going to have conversations. We want you to be able to hear what's on your pastor's hearts, what's on the different leadership's hearts, uh, and kind of our opinions. So uh, we're going to have a little bit of a dialogue. We're going to have different topics every week, and we hope you take the time to enjoy it, to follow it, subscribe, and maybe even share it with some of your friends. So stay tuned and uh, enjoy the next few minutes. Hey, Pastor, how's your morning going so far? So far, so good. (laughs) Any day you wake up is a good one, right? That's right. Um, So part of when uh, we were putting together this podcast, you know, you've mentioned in the past uh, in your sermons that people don't always have an accurate perception of you. Oftentimes, you've overcompensated and and trying to look presentable and serious, where people don't always get to see the fun side, or as you like to say, uh, the fact that you're the family clown. And so, uh, we're not going to put makeup on you too much on this podcast. But uh, I did want to open up with some more lighthearted questions because the topic uh, is a little bit deeper. And so, let me just start off with a few of these. Uh, I am noting for. Would you rather questions? Uh, okay. I love would you rather questions. So I'm going to give you just five would you rather questions. Here's the first one. Would you rather be the best player on a team that always loses or be last on the bench on a championship team? Last on the bench on a championship team for sure. So you just want to win? I just want to win. Okay, you don't care if you don't get any minutes, if you don't, if you don't get any accolades? I've gotten enough accolades in my life when I was a teenager playing basketball. I was a pretty decent shooter. You had hoop Uh, dreams? And I was, when I was in my teens on the team in the projects, and I was the best player on the team. Come on. But we never won. (laughs) So having tasted that, I'd rather be on a winning team. Okay, that's good. Uh, Here's an interesting question. Would you rather be 4-5 or 7-7? Four foot five or seven foot seven inches? I would probably say seven seven because well, then I'd have a better perspective on the world. <laughs> Just a higher view of everything. But you higher know, view. the world is not built for seven foot seven guys. Showers are going to be difficult, driving cars are difficult. You know, nothing's really built for you. That is true. But nothing's really built for being four or five either. So. <laughs> You'd rather not need help getting something from the top shelf? You know, I'd rather be uh, the one that everybody looks up to. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> okay, here's one. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? <laughs> <laughs> you have to pray for our, this young pastor who is coming up with these ridiculous questions. <laughs> Would you rather... Um, probably the one big one. I think, yeah, I think like I got a better chance with one big yeah. one. No one's sneaking up on my back. Yeah. No one's coming around. I might get a lucky punch in the one big one, but the, a lot of the little ones will probably end up getting it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of where I was going. Uh, two more. Would you rather have nosy neighbors or noisy neighbors? Nosy. Really? Yeah. 
because that's because no, that's because you're older. You just don't maybe want. because I'm, I'm 67. <laughs> but uh, uh, the noise part would bother me in the end more than nosy. Nosy, I could always shut the blinds and and, and tell them uh, don't bother me. But noisy because I, I guess it's because where I grew up, I've just always had noisy neighbors. And so I'd rather they stay out of my business. <laughs> That's true. I mean, listen, I grew up in public housing, so true. Uh, I understand a noisy, uh, and sometimes you could just drown that out. But um, the older you get, the more quieter you like it to become. Yeah, the ears get sensitive after all. <laughs> all right, uh, last would you rather. Would you rather lose half your hair or lose half your hearing? Both are starting to go on me, so... <laughs> At this point, it's a roll of the dice. Uh, my wife says that I'm really vain when it comes to my hair, uh, and part of that is true. So I would probably say... So I'd rather lose part of my hearing because then I could always then easily ignore things that people say that I don't want I don't want to listen to anyway. That's true. So even if you do lose your hair, you won't hear anybody complain about it. There you go. That's smart. You know, if you keep trying to give yourself haircuts, you might lose <laughs> half your hair. That is true. <laughs> All right. So uh, this topic that I wanted to broach, uh, you know, this past Wednesday, we had a new president come into power. And you even recently have preached about the effect of Christianity and politics. And 2020 was really a year more than any other that I've seen in my lifetime where everything seemed to be politically charged. Even things that aren't inherently political were politicized. Yes. And we saw a lot of effects, especially when it comes to God's people. And, you know, I think for you and I, that's probably a topic that we can more intelligently speak on and probably should speak more on uh, how this affects and how Christianity affects uh, politics. Yes. And so I wanted to touch on just a few thoughts with this, uh, because honestly, this is a conversation I would have with you even if we weren't recording this podcast. And so uh, one of the first things I was thinking about is what do you think are some of the vital lessons that we either learned or should have learned from this past year when it comes to the political climate that we saw ourselves in, whether they were things we did well or things we failed at, um, as a people, as a country, uh, what are some lessons we should take away from this past year politically? At the top of the list, it would be the understanding that we all have a sinful nature. And that part of that sinful nature is the fact that we are so prone to be argumentative. Mm. We're so prone to violate someone else's privacy or someone else's opinion. And, and uh, I think we saw that more than ever before this past year, uh, where if you didn't agree with me, then not only were you wrong, but I had a major problem with you. That seemed to be yeah. the spirit that was prevailing. And unfortunately, that bled into even to into the church. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, it became very personal. Yes. Um, I think for me, one of the other aspects that I was noticing is we need to be careful with how black and white we paint everything. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those, you're either all in or you're all out. Yes. And uh, I think a two-party system makes it very difficult when neither of them fully supports the gospel 100%. Yeah. 
Um, and so I, I do agree with you. Like, there's some things, and the reason I ask that question is if we don't learn, right, we're doomed to repeat it. As the old saying goes, if you don't learn from your past, you're doomed to repeat it. Um, so in all that, obviously, I don't think it's a sin to have civic engagement. Uh, so where's the line? Uh, at what point does it become counterproductive? That's an excellent question. Uh, I think it's politics and Christianity is a very difficult line to walk. There was a young man once that attended the church who loved the Lord and got into politics. And he came to see me one day because he was really torn. In order for him to accomplish what he needed to accomplish for his constituents, he needed the support of all other politicians. But to get that support, they wanted him to support their initiatives, which were counter to the gospel, counter to the word of God. And he was torn as to doing his job, which was in politics, but to do it well meant he had to violate his own virtues, his, his own convictions, uh, and he didn't know what to do. And he asked me what he should do, and I told him, welcome to the world of politics. <laughs> it's not easy as a Christian to balance always your conviction with what people have uh, as, a, as far as an expectation uh, for you. Uh, and I think in 2020, we saw how difficult that is to keep a balance in it. But I believe it's achievable if we make, number one, our priority, God's word. Yeah. Living by God's word will give us the guidance that we should do, knowing that there are times we're going to make decisions. They're not going to be popular. But I'd rather be right before God than be popular. How do you feel about people, though, who can twist scripture to support their behavior? Because you've seen that a lot in this past year where, hey, this is what God's word says, and that's why I'm acting this way. And so they use excuses like righteous indignation or, you know, just, hey, we're, we're protecting this issue that is God's issue. Sadly, that's been the history of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go back even to the Crusades yeah. uh, where we justified the killing of thousands of people in order to accomplish a goal for Christ. Uh, But I always go back to the scriptures that teach us that we're supposed to live as Christ would live. We're supposed to conduct ourselves the way Jesus would conduct himself. Jesus did not promote violence. In fact, he came against it. In the garden, when they tried to protect him with a sword, he told him, put the sword away because if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Uh, and so the teachings of Christ is, are the teachings of peace, not of violence. Okay. Well, play devil's advocate a little bit on that. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday on Monday. Um, some use that as an advocate for what we saw this past summer and, and fighting for justice and a correlation with that. Having grown up, in the era of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, I understand advocating for justice, uh, raising your voice, if you will, 
on the injustices that occur. But Dr. King never believed in violence. Mm -hmm. And so I have no problem if we raise our voice to try to correct the injustices that are in our society. Uh, the problem comes in is when we cross that line and believe that our violence is justified because there's been violent injustice done to us. Yeah, which is difficult, right? It's, it's, it's difficult, uh, but again, Listen, the Christian life is difficult. Yeah. If it were easy, everybody would be a Christian. But to truly live the Christian life as outlined in the Gospels by our Lord, it requires grace and the empowerment of God's Spirit. That's good. Going, going back real quick in regard to Scripture, because I think that's important to allow Scripture to be your guide. How do we, if at all, help believers? Because we saw a lot of even pastors who were... Um, standing on God's word, justifying behavior that maybe came across divisive or um, in an attacking form. What do we do in a situation like that? Because for me, it's not, I'm not so concerned as a fellow, well, I am as a fellow pastor, but my concern is the unbeliever who sees us, who sees us bickering between each other and using God's word for both arguments. Once again, it's sad, but that's been the history of the church, that even sometimes among leadership, we can have uh, them lead us astray. Mm. I mean, think about it. The Apostle Peter was led astray by Jewish believers yeah. at the Church of Galatia, and it took the Apostle Paul to correct that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's sad, but it can happen that from time to time, even as leaders, if we're not careful, we can lead the people of God astray and Again, I go back to the Apostle Paul said, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the standard by which we should govern, even as pastors, govern what we say, what we do. Yeah. Um, what effect do you feel social media has had on all this? I think social media has had a huge effect on our society for good and for bad. Mm -hmm. It's given everybody a voice, uh, and that voice should be used for good, but unfortunately, too, too often it's used for bad. Yeah. Uh, so It's like when everybody's talking, nobody's listening. Well, once again, because we have a sinful nature that is easily stirred, I think more people are given to the bad and listening to that than to the good. Sure. And you get these groups that um, become echo chambers. And uh, I think especially when it comes to social media, a lot of people hunker into their echo chambers. They say whatever rhetoric they're saying, and it's supported by all these people. And so I think that reinforces oftentimes negative thoughts or thoughts that are counter the gospel. Um, how do we escape these echo chambers? Because I think, I think we can easily fall into it, and the algorithms are even set up to bring a lot of like-minded things. So if you were to search, you know, one particular item, you're going to get bombarded with a lot of like-minded type of stuff. So how do we escape an echo chamber like that? The only way you escape any negativity like that is to make sure that you are focused first and foremost on hearing the voice of God. Mm. 
the Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God has been given to us to lead us and guide us into all truth. If we are getting close to God every day, drawing close to God, not only in prayer but through his word, the Spirit of God, will his voice will become clearer to us and we will know the, the, the voice to listen to and the voice that we shouldn't listen to. After all, Jesus did say, my sheep know my voice. Mm. I think in, in our spirit, we know which voice is the voice of truth and which one is the voice of deception. Yeah. The issue is never having heard. The issue is, do we want to follow? Mm -hmm. And sadly, sometimes we choose to follow the wrong voice because it appeals to our sinful nature. Yeah, we get what our itchy ears want, so to speak. Yes. And I think it's interesting the way you lay that out because if you look all throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, you see how often the kings and the leaders can be swayed by the advisors, mm -hmm. people that come into their ear and, and, and say one thing. And even when the prophet of God would counter that, mm -hmm. uh, we always tend to lean, I think, on what most appeases us and what most sounds good yeah. to us. Uh, and I think, I think you're right. When we increase the voice of outsiders, we decrease the voice of the one inside us, yeah. uh, which is incredibly dangerous. Um, you know, there was this, this thing, again, I, I kind of point back this past year, there's been moments where, quite frankly, uh, I've almost been embarrassed at times to be associated with other Christians um, because of the way I think they misrepresented Christ and, and whatever political side you're looking at, because my heart is, is echoing and screaming, that's not my Lord. That's not how he acts. And so you saw the rise of different groups. And one of the terms that I kept hearing over and over again is Christian nationalist. Um, I don't know if you can unpack that a little bit, but that term has been used in the media over and over again. How would you define Christian nationalists, and what role has it played in the way unbelievers view Christians? Well, let me begin by first stating this, and this is simply just my opinion. Mm -hmm. As a general rule, the media is controlled by the spirit of this world, mm -hmm. the God of this world. So it doesn't surprise me when most of the exposure that Christianity gets is typically bad. Sure. It's always going to be sensational news. Yes. And... Uh, very rarely do you get media take the time to highlight uh, the, the good of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, it seems we're always portrayed uh, as fanatics, mm -hmm. um, kooks, whatever word you want to use, people that are weird, off the wall, uh, that seems to be the constant portrayal of, of Christians in the media. And so, uh, and then, of course, it doesn't help when you find situations where uh, Christians, in, in wanting to uh, serve God, yeah. and because I believe sometimes there is a genuine sincerity in there, but we can be sincere but sincerely wrong. Uh, people do things that, are totally contrary to the gospel, totally contrary to God's word, 
And yet that's what winds up being portrayed in the media as, oh, there go the Christians again. Yeah. So like when we saw pastors outright define um, the pandemic regulations and having church anyways, and then all of them getting COVID and mm-hmm. you're seeing kind of the spread and, and um, that righteous indignation that they believed they had for that situation. Uh, when it comes to Christian nationalists for me, you know, one of the things that I found very disturbing in this past year is how there was many Christians, not just in the media, but even uh, friends of mine that I, that I have on social media, acquaintances that I met throughout the years, who I think um, wrongly have elevated their citizenship on, in America with their citizenship in heaven. They've, they've almost looked at it as uh, symbolic, like these are equal to each other. And so if I have a prosperous America, then there will be a prosperous kingdom of God. Um, do you think we need that? Do you think uh, God desires a prosperous America in order to accomplish his agenda? You would first have to define Prosperous. I think most Americans probably say financially prosperous, uh, you know, religious freedoms. And, and I think most Christians, when they say that, believe Christian religious freedoms, um, you know, abortion, uh, I'm trying to think uh, anti-LGBTQ type things. So legislation that favors gospel-centric things. I think from God's perspective... A prosperous America is obviously an America that seeks after God mm-hmm. and puts God as its top priority, serving God yeah. and living by God's word. We were a nation that was birthed because people came here seeking religious freedom. Uh, and we are one nation under God as our constitution and direct declaration of independence highlights. Uh, but through the years, we have slowly but surely gotten away from a nation that is seeking after God. And we have become a nation that's seeking after profit. Sure. Prosperity, in most Americans' view, is I want to have a good life physically. And to them, that translates having a good life uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can have all of the things that this world has to offer and still be empty inside and still not be prosperous, if you will. So I think that that's where the constant struggle, especially in our nation, we're considered the wealthiest nation in the world. Uh, People from other countries want to come here because they seek prosperity uh, that's offered in this country. And so uh, I think that that has hurt the Christian nation in America. I think that's hurt the people of God because we are often more focused on a physically prosperous life rather than a spiritually prosperous life. Hmm. With that worldly perspective of, of prosperous, do you think that Christianity thrives more in a prosperous or oppressive environment? Again, if you will, I'll take a step back and define Christianity as outlined in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I think Christianity prospers more 
when we don't have the distractions that we tend to have in America. Such as? Uh, we, we have, let's face it, we have through social media uh, and uh, through television, we have all of these distractions uh, that are available to us in our country, uh, not to mention uh, the gizmos and gadgets and the sports and there's so many things that we can be engaged in that can quote cause us to be prosperous that it can dis take us away or distract us from that which is make us the most prosperous and that is our relationship with God when you travel to countries that don't have all of these things so because they don't have that many distractions, there's greater opportunity to focus on the true meaning of life and what's important in life. So it's almost like the parable of the rich young ruler. Exactly. Where Jesus tells him, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And I don't think Jesus was saying inherently that being rich is bad. I think he's making the point that you just said. Um, if that's something you're unwilling to give up to serve me, then that's going to be your master. Yes. And I think you're right. I think uh, in the States, we have the, the downfall of having too many masters sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I want to start kind of closing it down just so that uh, we can keep this at a good time. Um, what role do believers play in the unification and healing of this country? Because I think, uh, you know, there's been mistakes all over the place in the last year. And uh, I think God has called the church to be the solution, not the agitation. And so what role do you think we play both corporately as the church and individually as believers? The number one role corporately of the church that will bring healing to our nation is to pray. Mm -hmm. For the church to really seek God's face, asking God to bring the healing, because only God can bring the healing uh, that's in our uh, nation right now, that our nation desperately needs. Yeah. Uh, I think that part of that prayer needs to be lifting up those that are in authority as the word commands us in Timothy to pray for everyone that's in authority. It doesn't matter whether they're Republican, Democrat, Independent. It doesn't matter what they stand for. Yeah. We are called in Scripture to pray for them. Uh, to ask God to give them wisdom and guidance in the decisions that they make that affect the lives of every one of us. Uh, so prayer is at the very top of the list. Uh, secondly, I think that corporately, uh, the churches themselves, as they gather their, in their own houses of worship, need to have the in inclusivity that brings about healing. Mm. There's such a separation that's taking place now that if you don't believe a specific thing, well, then uh, churches has become silos, if you will, yeah. where it's a gathering of people that believe only a specific thing and they're not open to having people come in that believe differently than that. Sure. Uh, if they, and if they do come in, they're soon ostracized. Uh, and so we're promoting division within or just within the local assembly. Yeah. I think the same thing uh, takes place for us as individuals that we need to recognize we live in a country that was formed so that people can live together yet have differences of opinion mm -hmm. uh, and live comfortably in that regard. 
but and we were doing fine for a while but of course we got off the beaten path so to speak and uh the division has only grown i think as individuals we have to be open to the fact that politically we can have differences of opinion yet that's okay yeah we can still love one another we can still respect one another uh, and we can still live in harmony with one another. Yeah, because like the Bible says, we don't owe anybody anything except love. Yes. All right, so I want to wrap it up with one more question and just want to leave it on a little bit of a positive note. Since we were talking about uh, the president's inauguration this past Wednesday, uh, and since you, uh, in case our listeners don't know this, are a bit of a Trekkie, if you had to vote for one to be president, who would you choose? Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Captain Kirk or Mr. Spock, the independent? I would probably choose Picard. Come on. Captain Kirk was uh, the guy that was always flying off the cuff and much more aggressive physically. A little too reckless. <laughs> and Spock was the one that was much more, too much in- intellectual uh, and emotionless. Come on. I think. Picard is right in the middle of both of those. That's why you're a man after my own heart, Pastor. (laughs) Hey, thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. We hope you stay tuned next week as we explore new topics and uh, look at different compass thoughts that we have. God bless you. Love you. See you soon.